Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh, no. Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. I'm jet propelled at all times. (laughs) How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five, Beavis? (laughs) Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's another fine episode of The Session. And we're here to bring you a bunch of good craft beer talk. And by we, I mean me and the folks at More Beer. You can go to morebeer.com right now, and they have absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home. They have ingredient kits. They have recipes. You can do anything like that. They have equipment. They have books. They have winemaking stuff. They have coffee roasting stuff. They have mead making stuff. They have everything that you guys need to ferment most anything you can think of at home successfully. And that's really the key, successfully. They have the knowledge and the people to back it up. So check them out, morebeer.com. All right, we are joined today by Chris and Bailey from Crusader Brewing. You can check them out at crusaderbrewing.com. Boys, welcome to the show. How's it going? Hey. Not too bad, man. Not too bad. It's uh, Look, it's a little warm in here. It's 81 degrees, so you know I'm really struggling. What about you guys? <laughs> yeah, now I've got the... I've- I got solar, so I, I crank the AC here. <laughs> Bro, let me tell you a story about solar. We got solar 
Tesla Solar because it was cheap. And, uh, you know, look, I like Tesla. And um, they were they were doing that. The install was great. We got the power walls, like the battery packs and everything. And these motherfuckers go, oh, yeah, okay, well, uh, you know, they're, they're here for the inspection. And they go, we're going to submit the paperwork today to PG&E. So follow up with them in a week to, like, kind of put pressure on them because they can drag their feet. That was six weeks and four days ago. Yep. And Tesla has not submitted the paperwork. Yeah, and the so they haven't submitted the paperwork yet. So I'm sitting here holding the bag. Like I've already paid up front, already paid for it. I can't use it. I mean, I can't turn it on. I mean, I, can, I could turn it on because it's a battery system. So I could, but I'm like, I'm a rule follower. And I can't do it. I'm just, I'm fucking pissed. I am livid because it's if like, you push this button, it'll turn your whole system on. It'll stop paying for electricity, but don't, do it. But don't do it. And it's different because I have a battery. Like, I understand, like, if people are working down the line, if the line is off, they don't, they need to know that there's no power going to it. I get it. But anyway, and uh, so I'm just, I'm, up, I'm, I'm just upset. It's been, it's going to be seven weeks here coming on, uh, I think, like uh, Friday of the Thursday of this week. It's going to be seven weeks since I paid for this stupid thing. I can't use it. And then, so they go like, oh, well, we're just, we have a lot of orders. We just have a lot of people. You know, we, we're like onboarding new people. I'm like, that's not my problem. It's paperwork. I'm like, how embarrassing is that that you guys are seven weeks delayed on paperwork? Like, that's pretty yeah. disappointing. And then PG&E's telling me they're 40 days out trying to even send people out. So I'm like, yeah. man. Good news is Elon's an avid listener to this show. Yeah, right. So problem <laughs> solved right there. I would, man, I would, love to, I would love to talk to him. I would love to interview Elon. He's like, you know, one of those uh, white whales for a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Golly, he's interesting. Freaking yeah. Joe Rogan, man. Freaking was he like three God. times in the six months ever? I don't know. <laughs> he's weird. I heard recently on another podcast uh, that his like he comes from an emerald mine family in South Africa. Like his dad had an emerald mine, and they would literally have a safe full of money, and any money that would fall out of the safe as they closed it, that's what the kids could keep. Imagine that's your upbringing. <laughs> Imagine that. Now now look at you. You're sitting somewhere with a you know, hundred and ten degrees and you're like cranking the solar and you're like, Man, I just did backbreaking labor and this idiot is just shoveling as a child shoveling money in his pocket, going, Well, it doesn't fit in the safe. What else are you gonna do with it? Leave it for the help? Uh, I gotta take all the one dollar and five dollar bills out of my pocket before I get home you know, because my wallet's too fat. Well but maybe yeah. that's Maybe that's like a, maybe it's a culture. Maybe it's just like a South African thing. Maybe that's just how they. How yeah. They maybe it. that's what it is. Yeah. Maybe it's not a rich white guy in South Africa owning an emerald mine thing. Yeah. And like his, he would, and like he would, he would like, like take emeralds and then go to New York city and like sell them for like spending cash. Just, just normal, normal stuff, normal, uh, child rearing stuff. But enough about Elon, enough about Elon Musk. Money. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, whatever. All right, boys. So Crusader Brewing, right away I go, you guys need to do a collab with Heretic. I think that would be very funny. They've already, <laughs> Wurt Wrangler and some of the like Instagram accounts have already picked up on that and put some like memes out with, you know, and we were, we had been open for like six months, you know, and, and nobody knew who we, who we were. And they like tagged us and said, you know, like, oh, what's nice. the, the last thing a heretic sees or whatever. And it's like yeah. a crusader thing or whatever. We're like, <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's funny. So that is very oh, yeah. funny, man. Like I said, that was, I mean, uh, you know, Jamil's, uh, his podcast was 
you know, instrumental. We, was instrumental to us opening and and figuring like, yeah, you know, I think we can actually do this. We can actually go and make the move from homebrewing to to professional, you know, or what I guess I would even call it professional, just semi-professional commercial <laughs> brewing, I guess. Commercial uh, brewing. What's the difference yeah. between commercial and professional in your mind? What? Why do you uh, draw that line? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> you, you make a living doing it. I don't know. It's it's okay. like a difference between being like a like a like a cook and a chef. You know what I mean? Like. There's like a, like a chef is, that's like a title. It's like something that's got, and I'm just, you know, yeah. Like maybe someday, someday I'll be a professional brewer. You know what I mean? But right now I'm just trying to like, you know, keep the doors open and make good beer and, you know, see, I'll see where it goes from there. You know, I think you're too close to it. You need other people to call you a professional brewer. That's maybe that's what it is. You know, <laughs> because like for you guys, I imagine, you know, you know, uh, starting from scratch, you know, uh, building everything yourselves and we'll get all, we'll get into the story in a little bit, but like you're sort of, you're, you're too busy to think about what you are. You're just, like you said, trying to keep the lights on, trying to keep making good beer. And that's all you got to do. Who cares what you're called, I guess. But, um, you know, for the purposes of this show, you're professional brewers. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, which one of you started the, uh, the brewery crusader brewing? We both, we, well, we're, we're your point. So, Okay. No. You're pointing at each other, so it can't be both of your idea at the same time. So Could it? our wives knew that we both wanted to do this separately. Our wives used to work together, um, and they arranged a way for the two of us to meet up. And That it, is adorable. I, yes. Yeah. It was, and it was, it was very, it was, su- it was so subtle, too, because it was like, <laughs> hey, uh, uh, Chris, um, Ashley tells me that, uh, that you're into like craft beer that you brew at home, that you homebrew. And then, so I kind of started, you know, like ranting about homebrewing and, you know, how much I'm into it. Mm-hmm. And then actually my wife is like, Oh, uh, Bailey, um, you know, Jessica tells me that, uh, that you want to do something in craft beer too. And then open a homebrew was, shop, you know, or, homebrew shop uh... or whatever it was. And so then it was, it was kind of, I was like, Hey, you want to come over and start brewing? And so we started kind of brewing pretty much every Saturday uh for a while uh and then we kind of were like yeah you know it's a year we did it for almost a straight year we did it for a year wow yeah all right maybe this is something that we can do you know we can work we work well together yeah Yeah. so sometimes (laughs) it's definitely it sounds like one of those things where like uh you know the wives are talking like look we're really good friends our husbands need to be really good friends and then we can go on like trips together and we can have barbecues together and stuff like that. And then it would just be great. And then now they're probably going, Oh my God, what did we do? What did we create? What did we do? That's actually a real thing. Yeah. No, it's like, oh God, they're there all the time. You know, like it's just all, it's everything is the brewery and you know, all kind of stuff like that. But I mean, it was, it was a, it's something that I, that I'd always wanted to do. Not always, but you know, I started home brewing when I was 19 because I went to Europe and I could drink at 18 and then I came back to the States and I couldn't yeah. legally, but I could go buy all of the equipment to brew my own beer and drink. <laughs> so that's what I did. I started brewing beer so that I could, you know, drink at 19 yeah. um, and started with meads and then moved to beers and just continued it as a, as a thing, you know, since, since from the time I was 19 until we opened the brewery and, uh, and I was 35, I think like that. So yeah, something like 16 years I was, I was home brewing, wow. um, you know, sold all my stuff and moved to when I moved to, to uh, Europe or to the UK for grad school, bought more stuff there, homebrewed there, sold it, moved back to the States and then bought more stuff and started homebrewing again and just kind of kept it up as a hobby on the side the whole time. So, wow. Yeah. 
Well, cheers to your wives for uh, for getting you guys together, man. I mean, that's that's it's pretty cool to have supportive uh, spouses like that. It's yeah. You did at one point, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> now it's like you guys should really sell the brewery. Now we're yes. mar- now we're married to each other, and our wives we cut we had to cut our wives out. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, it happens, man. It's little do they know. Yeah, <laughs> and where are you guys located? We're in Bakersfield, Bakersfield, California. Bakersfield, yeah, you are in the oven. The oven yes. of California, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's hot. <laughs> it's, it's hot, and all the fires like we get all the all the all the air and everything like that down here is. That's brutal, awesome. man. Yeah, it's yeah, brutal. It's that thing get that can get uh, super brutal. So, how did you guys? Okay, so you guys you guys hooked up because of your wives. You guys met that way. What's the conversation about starting a brewery? Were you guys tasting each other's beers, uh, or was it you know Bailey? Did you tell Chris, hey man, this would be cool to do for a living, or vice versa? Or how did that conversation start? I'm always really interested to hear that about about that spark of the the of the idea that actually came to fruition. See, yeah. I would say that I tried. Uh, Chris's beers. I, I did brewing on my own and with a buddy of mine uh, sporadically, not nearly as uh, dedicated to it as Chris was um, or is. Um, then when we got together, I talked about how I wanted to open up a homebrew supply shop because we didn't have one here at the time. Um, or I was looking into doing a brew on premise Um which I always thought was like an awesome idea and, and have people brew and, and make their own beers and stuff. Um, and I kept, every time I would do these things, I would find reasons why I didn't think it would work, especially for the Bakersfield market where property's cheap and people make more money than they uh, know what to do with sometimes. Um, <laughs> so it's like getting into the, the, the bar to getting into brewing is pretty low here. Um, the accessibility is there. Um, and we only at the time had three breweries in town, um, for a, a, a city of 400,000 people. Um, it seemed like, it seemed like we could do it. Um, we started making beers for local homebrew competitions and festivals and stuff like that. And we would take the beer to the festivals and we'd we'd move through the whole the whole keg or two kegs or whatever we're bringing. Um, my dad's a very avid beer drinker, as uh, <laughs> you could put it. Um, and he's him and and Chris's dad's uh, the where we got the money from. So um, we started bringing beer to them, and at some point they just were like you guys need to do this. Like, mm. what do you, what are you guys waiting for? And so I think that's what it was. It was, it was, it was all those, it was those, like those thought distortions, those like mind, like those excuses of like, well, oh, yeah. you know, it's a huge risk and it's a lot of money and it's this, and it's, you know, it's all this, all these reasons not to do it. And like, I don't know if I know enough about brewing and you know, this, that, and the other thing. And so I, I, Bailey was like, well, I want to do, I want to do this like with I'm or without you. Well, I'm going to do it with or without you. And we ran, we had run the numbers on doing a, a homebrew shop or a brew on premise or something <laughs> like that. And it's like, you don't, you can't make any money. No, nobody and knows that you can't make no, shit. No, there's no money in it on that for that, for that thing. And it's not like there's a ton of money in, you know, brewing, at least at our stage, you know what right. I mean? Anyways, but right. you know, like, I think the only way we can make this work as a partnership is you know we keep our jobs and i was i was uh, a police officer at the time 
um, and uh, you know Bailey was working for for the county here, and uh, so the only way that we could make it work and make it viable was to to do the actual brewing thing. We felt like we had a good enough product, and we entered in competitions. We won some medals. We you know like you said we did festivals and we got really good response from people that didn't know who we were um, and didn't care. Like it wasn't us drinking our own product and being like, yeah, man, this is, this is great. Like, you know, cause we made it, you know, like, yeah. or like our wife or some dad, yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> just like, or like right. people that were, you know, I like craft beer and this is good beer. Um, and so <clears throat> at some point we were like, all right, we like, we have to figure out a way to make this work. And so that's, we started looking into it and we, we uh, hit up a, a, a real estate broker here who's really involved in craft beer uh, scene and, a lot of charities that works with craft beer and we started looking for a place and then we talking came to up, banks, talking to banks, talking to investors okay. and kind of one of those deals where it's like, well, do you have any business experience? No. Nope. Like, are you, you know, do you, is there you know, nothing? Okay. You'd get nothing. Like nobody's going to get, nobody would touch us. Nobody would give us any money. Yeah. You know, we were getting like a full on system, like in a, you know, well, how much deal. property do you have to be able to back your, your, your idea that for this brewery? I, I don't, I don't own property. What property? I don't know. Our property. house, my house, and yeah. a car. You know, <laughs> the house that right. my children <clears throat> live in. Yeah, you can have my debt. Like, you know, there, there you go, right? Like, yeah. Uh, so. Excuse me, sir. This is America. Nobody has anything. Right. <laughs> you so, know what I mean? Found that out week one of the pandemic, and uh, cheesecake factory's like, we can't do this. <laughs> yeah, that is very sc- a scary, like uh, realization that I think a lot of people came to early in the pandemic, where it's like if these large companies are asking for loans, what are we supposed to do? Well, yeah. And it's like, and people don't, people don't realize sometimes that, that, you know, especially for, for us, you know, but for, for smaller businesses, especially there is like, we don't have a safety net yet. Like we don't have a savings. Like we put all of our money into growing our business and paying our employees. And we're the first ones to take a pay cut. And the business is the first thing to get, to get, you know, um, uh, to get the money that we make in order to keep it going. And there's super tight margins. And when things start sort of, you know, go off the rails, there's, it's, you know, it's scary. There's not a lot of wiggle room. So, I mean, and, and that was, so we, we started out with this, this grand idea of what this, what it was going to be. We were going to get, you know, like a seven barrel system. It was going to be this premier stainless, you know, skid mounted, you know, semi-automated, blah, 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 this many containers and doing this and whatever. And then, you know, you were wanting to, you know, half a million dollars or whatever it was and couldn't, couldn't get it. So uh, <laughs> our ads came to us and said, look, you know, we believe in what you're doing. Um, they yeah. cashed out some money from their retirement um, funds. Wow. And so they're, and um, we took our big vision and fit it to what we could, what we could afford to our budget. Um, to we our took budget. our vision and adjusted it to our budget. Yeah, exactly. That's so, a sobering experience. I would imagine it is. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so that's what we, we, we did, you know, like we use family members to help us, you know what I mean? Like we got, you know, Bailey's cousin works for a plumbing company and do you guys need a sec? Yeah, no, it's all right. We, okay. we, uh, I think this, the, the iPad's not charging for some reason. So we're going to have to oh. switch back over there. Fucking Bailey's iPad, dude. Come on. You know, uh, it, it should be. It should call Elon Musk. Get his ass down there. He can power yeah, yeah, that yeah. with the cyber truck. <laughs> Look, bro, what's up? So, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, no. So uh, we just, we fit it. 
Sometimes I love this show. I really do. That shit makes me laugh, man. I'm not going to kill the stream. I'm going to talk to everybody on Facebook until because they're going to come back. So it's not like a big deal. But uh, uh, Michael says, Mead Maker from Wyoming. Welcome, Michael. Is it better to outsource media or tackle myself? What do you mean, uh, Michael? You mean media like... You clarify that, Michael. I would love to answer your question. I think I know what you mean. I think you're talking like social. But uh, let me know. See, here they are again. Outsource media. Yeah. I'm so Michael sorry, t- dude. Dude, it's... It, I I'm fucking... So I, was, I was cracking up. It's totally okay. It happens. <laughs> I mean, this is just what it is, man. You know, if you... Were, yeah. I mean, this it's is like... Life, this is life post-COVID, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, if you were in the studio, it's like just getting up and walking out mid-sentence. That would be weird. But this, <laughs> this is fine. It's all right. It happens. This money. Bye. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To be continued. So yeah. So I mean, we just we we do what we could. Um. You know, we we a lot of what we we were able to do, we were able to do because there are a lot of awesome people that believed in what we were trying to do yeah. and yeah. Uh, believed in us, and so that was, you know, like we built the place with our our with our bare hands and with the help from our families and you know, all kind of stuff like that. And, and, you know, we opened it, we had, I think was it like negative $34 in our bank account. And we opened, we wanted to do another round of, of brews to have a couple more beers on tap. Mm-hmm. And there was no, we literally had no money. We had rented kicked in, we had to start paying. And so we were like, well, I guess now's when we're opening. And I guess we're open. Yeah. Right. Like, so we had a bunch of delays we had to overcome. And then wow. once we did it, we started brewing and we opened with, I think four or five beers on tap. Um, and, and just kind of went from there and tried to try to keep it going. So, um, you know, now two and a half years on, we celebrated our, our, uh, first anniversary. And then, uh, like three weeks later, the entire state locked down for COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we almost lost the place, uh, in the first few months. Wow. You're spilling a lot. You're going over a lot right now. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry, so let, let's, let's Sorry. back up okay. a little bit because there's a lot in there to cover and we could, we could do probably a couple of hours on, on basically what you just went through if we were more of a of a detailed podcast. But um, I find it interesting that that you your family trusted two dudes who had negative dollars. Yeah, well, we had we, <laughs> with we had money. money, but we spent then we spent it on the on opening the brewery, and then, yeah, and then by the time we actually opened it, we had to we were forced to open when we we did because because we needed to spend all of our money at more beer. Uh, go to morebeer.com. <laughs> Those guys will <laughs> siphon your dollars if you don't watch out because it turns out it turns out making good beer takes a lot of stuff. Yeah, right. I mean, you can yeah. do it in two buckets and a bathtub. You can. Yeah, but you should you? I don't know. Yeah. Um, the other thing is interesting is is you were looking at a brew on premise. And I think huh. I and I think that's really funny because like there's not around and, and you know you're always going to find more people to drink beer than to make beer. So I feel like you did you 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 did the right thing. <laughs> you did the right thing because I mean homebrew shops, you know, working the wholesale side of homebrew shops, it is tough. The margins are just tight. I mean, some stuff is like 10% and you're like that's my margin. I can't go any and then people, other shops go, well, what can, I can't sell this. I have to sell it for more than everybody else does. Like, I don't know what this, like, this is just what it is. Yeah. It's hard. That's challenging. It's a, it's a yeah. numbers game too. You know yes. what I mean? Cause it's like, 
it's it's okay. What's your population? Well, there's you know six hundred thousand people in the you know Greater Bakersfield area, mm-hmm. and it turns out that's not that's barely enough to support a home. We finally have a homebrew shop. It's been here for you know a year and a half, but that's barely enough to support a homebrew shop. Yeah. Um, you know, and the places that are the really cool homebrew shops, like the, you know, the wine and cheese shop down in, in, uh, was it Simi Valley or whatever it is. Yeah. You know what home, I mean? Like that place is super cool. Shop. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and there's a reason why they have the reputation they do, but that's also, they've got access to basically to LA, like, you know, they have mm-hmm. 6 million people that are living pretty close. And so that's enough for them to have a couple homebrew shops down there. Um, and it's, it's almost one of those sort of like inverse kind of things where we're in a, we're in a situation where 25, you know, 20, 25, 30 years ago, you know, you probably could make a better living doing a homebrew shop because, you know, you couldn't get craft beer unless you were making it. You know right. I mean, there were one or two brands. Well, now you go to every, you know, like, you know, corner market, bottle shop, whatever it is. And they've got a massive craft beer section that has fantastic beers for, you know, a reasonable price. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like, and so now it's like, well, I could, unless you're really dedicated and you want it as a hobby, if you just want to drink good beer, go buy it. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I do. And and like, honestly, you know, working on more beer was, was, was very uh, informative as, as far as like how to grow a business, because the reason those guys are still around and successful is because they had a vision for growth from the jump already. I mean, they started in a, in a garage pouring malt extract into jars. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and you, I don't think you can, you can get to that level without going, okay, this is where I want to be in five years. Let's make it there. Normally, I think when people open a homebrew shop, they're like, okay, this is my community shop and this is where I am. But the vision, you know, the vision needs to be there. And, and it's just, you know, I think a lot of it is on a similar scale, like any retail thing, even like, even like craft beer, right? you need to, to work on your distribution network too. You need to make sure people know who you are. I think it's a little bit different because you have a tap room, you're a destination. Like I said, there's more beer drinkers than there are beer makers, but it is sort of like similar too. If you want to grow your business at some point, you're going to be looking at distribution a little bit heavily than, than you are now. Are, do you distribute right now? Yeah. Locally we do. Yeah. We have, we have a, a, some a bottle shops and, um, and then we've got, we're on a few bars and restaurants. Around. Gas stations and, <laughs> I like Bailey just said gas station. Well, we have a, we the have gas a, station. A, I mean, you know, you just yeah, know, there's a company that owns a bunch of gas stations around here that that's their thing. Like they, they, everything, not everything, but a lot of their stuff is like local. They take stuff from like local restaurants that they package and then they'll sell it in their snack sections. And then they'll, you know, oh, they wow. really prioritize like local beers and everything like that. And so they had, and they have a massive like craft beer cave. that's all filled with, you know, Southern California craft beer and everything. So there's, that's, there's, Cool. say gas station, but they're not like a traditional, just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not like, you know, fast trip or something like no, that. No, there are craft stations guys. Yeah. I mean, That's they've got like a is. wine section that they've got, you could go, you could go, go get a, you know, $90 bottle of Cabernet like you get in, yeah, if you good. wanted to, you know, there. So God bless man. Can you imagine? I'll take 20 on pump number four. And then this $90 bottle of cab saw from fucking <laughs> bedrock or whatever. I don't know, man. No, no, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love it, man. That's cool. Well, look, let's take a quick break. Okay. Uh, I'll open one of the beers, and we'll get to talking about the beers and a little bit more about the business and and your guys' approach to to brewing these beers and you know what goes into everything over there okay. at Crusader, right? All right, everybody, hang on real quick. It's the session, and we will be right back. 
You're tuned into the session. Because life's too short to listen to crappy radio. And thanks for sticking around, everybody. We are still here with the boys from Crusader Brewing in lovely, cool, and balmy Bakersfield, California. And I'm about to open the Golden Cross Kolsch-style ale. And uh, I will say that the the bottle caps, as soon as I opened up this box today, I saw the uh, the American flag bottle caps, and I'm like, homebrew caps? I love it! Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm instantly recognizable. Here's the label. I love the label. Um Tell me a little bit about the, actually, tell me about the uh, the brewery name. Why did you pick Crusader? Um, so I have, my education is in um, medieval archaeology. Um, oh, damn, bro. That was kind of one of the things that I was interested in. Plus with, uh, he was a, uh, Bailey was a um, Operation Iraqi Freedom um, combat vet. So he was deployed to, um, to Iraq. Um, so, you know, we've got like some of the, like the Anglican Catholic kind of, you know, thing going on and stuff. And so it kind of all, it all fed together into this idea. Plus, you know, when you're sitting there brewing and talking about like, you know, what are the things that, you know, you would like to see in, in beer? Like, what do you, what would you want to do with it? Like it's, it, it very much a lot of what the breweries that are, that are opening people getting into craft beer and, and in the industry it, it's it's very much like what's your crusade like what is the thing that you're wanting what is the what is the, the the message you're wanting to bring with your beer you know what i mean whether it's you know social or um you know or just just as far as the the craft of the beer is concerned like what message do you want to send with your beer what is your pro what's what's your product going to speak yeah. so we kind of yeah. were talking about that and it was like oh that's kind of cool like it's like a beer crusade like we we don't like bad beer you know we don't but we want to like get our message out there. And so it was kind of all wrapped up together, you know, like we're on a crusade against crappy beer, you know, like that's, that's our thing. So um, it kind of all came together. And then my, uh, I was talking to it about, to it about my, but with my tattoo artist and she put together this, um, this like coat of arms kind of a thing. Mm. And she was like traditional Celtic tattooing and, and, you know, does coats of arms and those kinds of tattoos. So she threw it all together and we were like, that's, Awesome. I love that. The shield and the, the wheat and the whole nine yards. So it's the, uh, it kind of, kind of grew from there. Yeah, it is. Uh, it does have a sense of, um, I'll say a sense of place. It's not what I mean, but like, um, purpose, you know what I mean? And that's hard to yeah. get with, with, with logos that have a lot going on. I mean, your logo has a lot going on, not that it's busy, but there's a lot of information there, but it, it is, it is tied together very, very well. There's also aspects of our family crest, uh, individual family crest. Uh, Chris is the, the rearing stag that's on his family crest. Mine would be the arrows. Um, so there's there's multiple representation representations of our our family and heritage on there as well. Nice. I just I figured that was a, a Harry Potter Patronus uh, reference, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, we and and you know, like we we sort of we take inspiration a lot from the the like the beer companies that we you know, that we enjoy and those, those traditions that we enjoy, you know, the, the, the wine stuff honors, the, um, you know, the founder or not founders, I mean, um, fullers, you know, the stuff like that, where, you know, they have that kind of like rich history and it's, it's even like Budweiser, you know what I mean? You look at their logo and you look at their cans and they've got all the stuff that's all part of their, you know, 200 year history or 100, 120 year history or whatever it yeah. is, you know, from their, their, their product all put on there. And we kind of were like, that's cool. We want to kind of riff on that and have that like 
a little bit of gravitas and like, you know, kind of tradition that's, that's sort of representative of what we're doing. If we're going to be going into bottles, you kind of have to have something, right? Yeah. You got to do it. We're talking about the, the, what is the term? Iconography? Yeah. Iconography. Iconography. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it is, it, it does very much invoke that, uh, you know, that sort of middle age, you know, vibe, but also, uh, also it's modern and, and, and it keeps it current. So I, I think that's pretty cool. So how, how did you, I mean, how did you get a, a degree in medieval architecture, medieval archaeology, and then become a cop? I feel like medieval architecture. That's the actually, actually no, no, there, medieval you, architecture would be tight. Joke, but I could I could have gotten a degree in medieval arch- architecture. But um, I there were a couple things that I kind of always wanted to do. I come from a family of of, of cops, um, and it's always something I thought would be you know like would be fun to do, and yeah. and that I could this sort of sense of purpose and you know all kind of stuff like that. Um, I was in the pro in a program uh, in Scotland. Uh, finished my master's and basically the whole world fell apart because it was 2008, 2009. So the market collapse just destroyed funding for everything. Programs got cut and it was like, well, I could, I could go $150,000 in debt getting my PhD and, you know, go teach for $50,000 a year somewhere uh, and never be able to own a house. Look, Bailey, he likes to suffer. Chris yeah, just I needs do. to you suffer. I do, yeah. which is also very medieval, too. So you know, <laughs> right. we see Monty Python, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Self-flagellate, dude. Yeah, right. On the so, altar of know, debt. It was, just, it was one of those things that came back and, and uh, just at the time kind of worked, you know, for a nonprofit. And then, um, just about the time the economy started so picking up, lucrative nonprofit. Yeah, love you know it. How it is. You gotta yeah. love nonprofits, um, baby. Had the chance to apply, got accepted in the academy, and and went through. So, nice. You know, started doing that. So that was that was a thing, and it was awesome. It was, yeah. It was cool. What a culture shock, though, man. Yeah. From Scotland, I imagine you're digging around in the dirt. <laughs> you know what I mean? I spent a lot of time in libraries uh, yeah. at the master's level. There was a lot of, I mean, I, I did do some stuff. There was a lot of, I spent a lot of time in special collections with the really, really old books and like white gloves no. and like ladies hovering over you to make sure that you didn't breathe too heavily on the pages. Oh, and see, stuff like that. you didn't tell me there were ladies involved in this. So uh, now yeah, I understand. That is, that is uh, by far one of the more interesting uh, sort of pre- brewery ownership jobs that I've heard of. <laughs> I've never, I yeah. mean, that's pretty wild to me. That's very, uh, but there's a lot of crazy. what we, what we, what we took from, you know, like Bailey talked about it being in the military and then me within law, with law enforcement and everything. Like, you know, you get off on Friday night, which usually was like, you know, 1230, you know, in the, in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, on a, you know, Saturday morning or something like that. 14 and, shift or yeah. 14 hour shift. And, you know, working, working with everything. And you're like, all right, well, let's get the squad together. We'll go over to, you know, the pub and sit down and you only have an hour and a half to, you know, or an hour to have drinks before they do last call. And so everybody, we usually get a couple pictures, pictures of beer, like some kind of craft beer and sit down and, you know, decompress and, and, you know, drink and, you know, talk about the week and, you know, all that kind of stuff like that. And then, kind of shake it off and, and, and then be able to go home to our families and, uh, and not have what had happened travel with us back home. Um, that was a big thing that they taught us how to, they taught us to do is 
be an alcoholic. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just to be able to like figure out a way to leave that, like sitting around drinking beer. That was a, especially in Scotland, like they'll throw you out of the country if you don't drink beer. So uh, <laughs> there was a, there was a lot of that that happened that happened when I was there. Um, yeah. And that thing, same thing too, just the idea of being able to sit down and have a session, you know what I mean? And spend a couple hours drinking beer um, and talking about whatever, solving the world's problems or, you know, whatever it was, whatever it was talking about school or work or, you know, families or relationships or whatever. And um, so we kind of wanted to bring some of that idea to, you know, to Bakersfield uh, at least. Um, and then hopefully out from there, you know? Yeah. So kind yeah. of fed into the whole thing. The whole thing, you know, and, and that is sort of an, an aspect that you don't hear a lot about it in, in, in both of your, uh, you know, careers being in the military and the police, it's like to, to decompress so you don't bring it home. But then also I think, so it doesn't carry over to the next day. I feel yeah. like I feel like being uh, being in the military or being, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's more apt for, for a police officer is you don't you don't want to let that build up and compound. And then you're taking out yesterday on today. Yeah, that's and that to Pretty me, much. that's a, that's a lot of psychological nonsense that you got to go through. I mean, in, in both cases, that's that's very hard. That would be very hard. Dude. I can barely do it. And I fucking podcast. <laughs> so I can't imagine where it's like, you know, you're. You're roasting in, uh, you know, uh, basically a suit of armor, modern day armor, or, you know, you got, you're chasing after people or doing whatever, putting your lives in danger. And then, and then you have to, uh, you know, basically forget about it. Yeah. That's challenging. So I, I was a, I was a flight engineer on a, a fixed wing aircraft for the army and Oh, so you don't, we were, whatever. It was easy, man. It was yes, easy. Came, but... Yeah, come on. You didn't tell me you had a cush job, dude. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I got blown up. I'm just picturing Hurt Locker. That's all. But, uh, you know, we would travel all over the United States or whatever. And when you get there, you you go to the local place and you drink the local beer or whatever. You eat the local food. And um, so that's where a passion for local really kind of set in for me was trying these different things and trying the different things. uh, meals and and the heritages that we have just across the United States, even you know, yeah, because uh, it, it changes. It changes from from the West Coast to the East Coast. You've got five or six different flavors across this country. Oh, for sure. There's no way out here in the West Coast you can get scrapple, right? You know, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. So, or yeah, spam, uh, spam eggs and rice isn't, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like maybe like a Hawaiian barbecue joint. They have those, right. but you know, yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah, yeah. Cuisine is wild, man, and how it permeates through cultures is, is uh, well. Look, there's been TV shows by uh, people more more endearing than I am that talk about that specifically. But uh, let's talk about your Kolsch here, real fast. Tell me a little bit about the Kolsch, the Golden Cross. Uh, oh, okay. So um, I did leave you hanging. It sounded like I was going to say more, and I didn't. Yeah, so, the yeah. Golden Cross. <laughs> yeah, the Golden Cross. So um, obviously we have that that golden cross in our our uh, in our logo and we adapted for I adapted for for the brewery. Oh, it's a homebrew um, recipe. Oh, cool. Nice. And, well, and it was a, it was a, it was a straight up like I, originally it was I was trying to do like as traditional a culture as I possibly could. You know what I mean? It was like I think it was a pearl hops or spalter or something like that, and you know it's pilsner and you know whatever. And uh, and then when we started brewing together. I kind of was like working more into like looking into like newer 
like hops and stuff like that, but still kind of trying to keep that tradition, that German tradition, um, that Kolsch tradition. So I wanted something that was, and, and also you have to know Bakersfield, Kern County is very much like a Coors and Budweiser, you know, area. Like it's, it's one of the, like the last few unconquered, uh, you know, premium, premium brand uh, regions in California um, that hasn't been, you know, dominated by craft beer. Um, so trying to do something that was craft flavorful, but also light enough. And the Kolsch was the perfect, was the, was the perfect vessel for that. But I also wanted to make it interesting enough for people that, you know, are craft beer people to get something out of it as well. So I switched up some of the, I, I we use Mandarin and Bavaria in this instead of, um, you know, like a more, tra- a more traditional German hop, you yeah. get some of yeah, that yeah. hot quality, but then it's also got some of that, um, like tangerine mandarin orange citrus kind of a a flavor to it um that i think plays really well with that like fruity um uh, cold yeast um and then with the lowered fermentation temperature you do get that clean kind of crisp um a drinking experience and this is the beer that that you know when we have barbecue competitions that are you know we've got a lot of guys that are you know oil field workers and roughnecks and construction guys and stuff like that come out for those they're like uh, you know I don't, I don't, I don't like craft beer. It's like, well, what do you drink? Well, here, try this. And they're like, oh my, like, and then they'll bring friends back. They'll come back on their own and be like, you have to try this beer. And now we have, you know, people that are coming to us regularly to try this. And they're like, okay, well, if I like this, what else, what else do I not know about craft beer? And then <laughs> it branches them off into trying other stuff that's, yeah. that's maybe at their real house. And then they discover something that they, you know, that they're into. Yeah. Some of the things that you hear work in the front of house, uh, people's misconceptions about beer is, you know, like, well, I don't want that light, super hoppy stuff, or, oh, I don't drink that really dark stuff because it tastes like this. And it's like, well, the color has nothing to do with how it's the end product is going to taste. Mm-hmm. So, you know, automatically just let's, let's, let's remove that misconception from your mind that, you know, it's going to be bitter or it's going to taste like this or that. Like that's, it's, it's fun to educate people as you go. Uh, in in this field for sure so and also make something that's that's it's that you don't have to think about like you could parse this down and you could break it down and you can say that it's got this and these flavors and this whatever but ultimately what it comes down to is do you like it you know what I mean like when you experience this beer is this an experience you like to have is it good do you want to repeat it you want to have another beer you know and at five percent you know that's kind of like our our that's where we want to be because that's again, we want to bring that session culture that, that, which again, Kern County Bakersfield is that people don't know what a session is in, you know, the U S usually, mm-hmm. but we do, we, and we, we know what it is because we've all got a case, you know, gotten a case of Budweiser and sat out with friends and drunk through a 30 pack with, you know, two or three other people and, and spent a couple hours drinking. You know what I mean? Like we know what that is, even if we don't like craft beer or understand what a session is. So um, we're, we're trying to harness that and bring that, that kind of inclination into, into our, into our tap room, into our brewery. Yeah. That's that separation between craft and commercial. It has sort of been, I don't know, stigmatized or, or I don't know the, the right term, but it's like, you know, saying you don't like craft beer is basically saying you don't like flavors. I don't yeah. like flavors, but you know, looking at even just on your website, you have a, a, a map, like a Google map of where you are and there's, a thousand restaurants near you. Right. And it's like, these people go to these places. Everyone in Bakersfield, I would imagine has a favorite Mexican restaurant. Yeah. I would guess. Right. 
you don't go to, you don't have a favorite restaurant, any ethnicity of food, right? Without liking flavors. So if you don't like flavors in your beer, how do you not, how do you like flavors in your food? Or how do you like a movie or a TV show or, you know, different flavors of, of the mind, if you will, let's get really esoteric. But, and, and so I, I think that it's a good approach that you have is, is, is making something that can bridge that. And that's what I think a lot of craft beer makers are trying to do yeah. is well, find that beer that. that brings you in. It's like, yeah. you, you can't tell me you don't like craft beer because you then it means you don't like to taste things. And I don't yeah. believe that. Well, and, and also like we're trying to destigmatize, sorry, like destigmatize craft beer for, for everybody. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like to have people understand like, all right, well, you know, we get people all the time that are like, oh, do you have any hazies? It's like, no, we don't. That's not really what we do. We do more, more traditional beers and stuff like that. We have IPAs, but again, we've taken our sort of like, you know, spin on that, um, which you'll get with the barbarian. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, well, you only drink hazies, like, and it, there, it's like, okay, are you, are you a, are you a craft? Are you a beer drinker? Are you a beer fan? Or are you, do you like hazies? That's great. That's, that's totally like you, that's There's awesome. nothing wrong with There's that. nothing wrong with it. Right. But if all you drink are, if all you drink are hazies, are you a craft beer drinker? Or are you a hazy beer drinker? You know what I mean? If all you drink is Budweiser, are you a beer drinker? Or are you a Budweiser drinker? You know what I mean? And to me, it's, it's kind of the same, it's, it's two sides of the same coin. One's premium and one's craft but it's the same thing. Like all I drink are pastry stouts. You know what I mean? Like I just, I only like sours. Okay. Well there's other, there's other flavor. Like you're saying, there's other flavors out there. There's other things out there. There's there. That is one aspect of beer cream. You know, Budweiser is one aspect of beer. Um, You know, hazies are one aspect of beer, but we have a whole range of these beers that, you know, depending on your mood. And that's how I, I, I drink based on the season and based on my mood. And I want the, I want everybody else to be able to do that as well when they come into the brewery. I, I went scuba diving on Thursday and stopped by a brewery on my way home. I'm like, oh, this is a well-known brewery. I've had these guys here before. Go into the tap room and literally out of the 15 beers, 14 of them were hazies. Mm-hmm. Hazy double IPA, hazy pale ale, or a hazy IPA. And hazy then they had... <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the one, only one beer that they had that wasn't a hazy was a horchata beer. And I'm like, okay. I mean, horchata is hazy. Uh, it's all the hazy, all the horchata I've ever had is cloudy as shit. So that, that makes me angry for you. And that's what I don't understand. And, and there's not even a problem with having a brewery that that's what you do, but it's just like, there's so much, other yes. styles and, and flavors out there. I feel like as an industry, we kind of are starting to pigeonhole ourselves into one thing and we're excluding a large audience that we could be having. Um, and there's, and that sometimes there's not a lot of subtlety too. You know what I mean? Like it's just like in your face all the time, which is, which can be really, really fun. But also sometimes you just want something that is enjoyable that you don't have to parse out. You don't have to think about, and you can just, you can just drink it and enjoy it. Well, you know I, I, mean? I, I think that's what in, in my mind, and maybe this is just me bending reality to fit, you know, whatever I want, but I feel like that's what happened with stone and their, you know, yellow fizzy beers for wussies kind of a shtick. It eventually bit them on the ass because when craft brewers started brewing lagers again, you know, that was fine in like the late nineties, early two thousands where, you know, it's like everyone's trying to brew these big malty beers and these big hot bombs and they're chasing IBUs or whatever. 
But when that pendulum swung back the other way and people are, are doing lagers and colches and bringing that back, yellow fizzy beer, I feel like that sort of there was a backlash against that kind of marketing, that kind of aggressive marketing campaign. Yeah. And that's what turned me off to their whole brand. It's not something I should be saying, but I, I don't know what to do about it now. I'm stuck. I have to go forward because I can't go backwards. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like I don't understand. But like, but for me, that's that's what will turn me off to a brand instantly. Is like if you're hyper aggressive about what you're doing. But back then, that was very different for craft beer because we were trying to be a kumbaya sort of thing. Now we're back to being kumbaya, but also you know, we have hazies or we do this or we have our own spin on it, but you can go elsewhere. And there was a time when it was like, we're your best craft brewery in the world. Yay. But I think now it's, it's a lot of let's partner up. Let's be friends. We're all cool. It's a community. And I like this phase of craft better, but I hear what you're saying, Bailey, where it's like, there are different flavors you can discover. And if you want to be a hazy house, that's fine. But I just want to know up front. That's yeah. been my whole thing where it's like, I don't care hazy so much. I mean, I really do, but most of it's kind of a shtick. But like, if I go into a bar and 18 of 24 taps are hazies, I'm fucking leaving. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm not going to do it because I, hazy IPA, I don't really care, honestly, because I don't drink it. I don't drink IPA, so I don't give a shit. But hazy pale ale, now you're pissing me off. <laughs> unfiltered pills is it hazy colches or hazy pilsner yeah unfiltered like, like i love i love urban roots i was drinking their 10 degree pilsner at the beginning of the show fantastic beer peter hoey's a nice handsome well relatively handsome guy but that <laughs> fucking unfiltered pilsner pisses me off but i understand he's doing like a rustic thing and i and i get it and i'm not gonna you know begrudge him too much of that but it's like at my core i'm like i don't know i don't like it it's like a a slug well, over salt i just i can't but also part of it too like i under i we under that's that's the thing that when you when we made that transition to uh from home home brewing to uh like commercial brewing yeah that that it makes sense in your head but does that translate to your customer because ultimately again you have to sell a product to keep your doors open and when you say hey when you say unfiltered pilsner people have an idea of what you're talking about if you said keller beer you have now you have to educate that person on what a keller beer is or a zwickle beer or whatever which is that that's what an unfiltered pilsner is basically you know what i mean like well what is that i don't know what a zwickle beer is that's a weird word i'm not going to order it and then it sits on tap and you're like this might be the best beer you've ever made right. but nobody's going to order it because they don't know what that is and it's a big, like, like, I don't know if I'm like autistic or something like that. That's a big <laughs> thing that, that Bailey is like, no, we can't call it this because nobody's going to order it. Well, and like, nobody's going to be able to say it and they're going to be embarrassed and they're not going to order that beer. And I, it's weird. and I think you're right. And I, I think it depends. I think it depends on uh, your community and yeah. who you're, who you're targeting, right? If you're opening a brewery in Portland, people are probably going to know that. Yeah. But maybe in a town like Bakersfield, they're probably not going to know that. Do you think that education in craft beer has sort of has sort of tapered off a little bit? I think so. I mean, wouldn't you? I, I think that education comes definitely. It's is our responsibility as the brewery and as the brewers, and I think that part of that comes with saying, yes, it's a Keller Alt beer. What that means is this. And then you explain it to them. So then they understand. Um, so the next time I use the word Keller up on this menu, that's exactly what that means. 
Um, so yeah, yeah I, I feel like that, that falls definitely on the brewery and yeah, because people want to know people like, like we talked about earlier, people want to talk to the brewer and the owners and all of this, us for whatever reason I, I've yet to figure out, uh, they want to talk to us. And part of that is they want to know more. They want to know more on, on why we call it that or what the heritage is or where that beer comes from. Why does it taste like this? And all those questions. Um, so yeah, I think, I think education is still alive and well in the brewing industry, as long as we get, the, we take the time to actually be out there and help people understand it. My, my big fear, and it's, it's also part of the whole, like falls into like that idea of like the, that crusade or whatever to bring, especially in here in Bakersfield where we, you know, we have right now we have five craft breweries, um, here in Bakersfield. And again, we have over half a million people who live just in, in, in sort of Bakersfield, um, you know, the greater Bakersfield area. Um, so we don't have a very huge saturation of the market, um, you know, with, with local craft beer. Um, but I feel like one of the, one of the things that I don't want to see that I get sometimes when I go into breweries in some places is, the like the craft beer people or the 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 brewery or whatever it is that has moved they've moved past that education they've moved past that idea that hey there's still there's still you know craft beer is what 25 percent of the beer market in in the united states so there's still 75 percent of the market that is you know premium or something other than craft there's still people out there that that you know need to be introduced to craft beer and in, in a lot of places especially there's a saturation of craft beer and stuff like that like I get that a lot with people coming in the brewery. It's like, Hey, this is really chill. This is super cool. Like you guys are really nice. Like I went into X, Y, or Z place with my, my buddies drug me in and I felt like really uncomfortable and really out of place. And like, you know, they're pretentious and like this and whatever. And it's like, it's not, this isn't Napa beer. Beer shouldn't be Napa about like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have people look down on you because you you can't, you can't tell, tell them why you like, the product that you're making it's like i just like beer like i want to drink this beer and i like it and it's great or whatever it is and i want to try more beers because i like this beer or whatever it is yeah like we uh-huh. shouldn't be making people feel like oh well you know you don't drink craft beer at, well but guess what the train's already you know departed and you missed the you know you missed the ride and so now you're left behind and you just got to drink you know budweiser for the rest of your life right. you can't be on it <laughs> i mean, I mean to, to be honest that was always my hesitancy to get on board with the beer is like craft beer is like wine thing. That was like early two thousands. We were really trying to push that in the craft beer industry. And it's like, it's not wine at all. It should never be like wine. It is blue collar to the core. And that's the popularity of lager beer in America. You got blue collar numbskulls pound and Budweiser's and that's fine. But that's, that's who we need to change. We don't need to go after the, oh, well, you know, $25, $50 bottle of sour beer. We don't need to chase that. We don't need to try to be like Napa Valley, like you're saying, Chris. We don't need to, to chase the, the, the releases. I mean, we are chasing the releases now, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, we don't need to do that to grow craft beer. It doesn't need to happen. We, yeah, who's not really? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, but it's like, especially back then, you know, now I guess you have to because it's more hyper-regional. You know, you need to stand out in your region. And so you can do those kinds of things. But it was like, oh, we, we should be like wine. We should be respected like wine. No, we don't want to be respected like wine. I don't think. 
our neighbor just behind us is one of the largest uh, metal fabrication shops in, in, in the oil industry. And they're producing massive structures for, for these oil rigs and stuff like that. And it's just a bunch of welders, you know, and we get a ton of people from there and they bring a ton of people in. And what do they drink? They drink lagers. They drink our lagers because Bakersfield, they people say Bakersfield's a Bud Light town. Well, it's a lager town. Like that's what they're looking for. And really like yes. there, it's hot as crap nine months out of the year, you know? And, and so it's hard, hard, it's hard, it's hard to drink anything that's, that's heavy. You know what I mean? Like it really is, you know, like I get excited for, you know, stout weather, which we have like three months of it. You know what I mean? Like it's like beanie weather here in Bakersfield. Like you, if you blink, you miss it. And then now you're just douche because you're wearing a beanie and it's too hot for wearing a beanie. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like it's kind of, it's kind of the same way. So we have, you know, there, you have to brew for, for the palate of the people around you and also still be able to find a way to express your, your, or, or put out your, your message. You know what I mean? Like who, who you are, what's your take on this? You know, why is it different from, you know, everywhere else or whatever it is. And so, you know, it's, that's, that's part of the challenge. It's, it's also fun. And, you know, everywhere I've been, you know, when you talk about like Germany, uh, the UK, you know, especially Scotland and stuff like that, like it, it's just, it's people sitting and drinking beer. You know what I mean? Like, and that's it. And it is beer is food. It's, 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 it is blue collar, you know, but it also can be, um, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's hard to explain. Like, again, like, like wine is wine's a beverage, like beer is food. You know what I mean? There's something that's like, like soul enriching and, and like, uh, like nourishing about beer. You know what I mean? Which is historically archaeologic. That is the origin of beer. You know what I mean? Is it was something that is, it's not a libation. It didn't start out as that. It was a way nutrition. to deliver nutrition. You know what I mean? To, to whatever. And then the alcohol is a happy accident that came along with it, you know, whatever. Like, but that's what I'm saying. Like it's food, man. It's, it's, it's sitting around. It's, it's the same thing as like, getting together with your friends, going to dinner, you know, whatever, everybody's, you know, eating and then you're drinking and, and it's this whole, you know, social experience, which I'm not saying wine isn't, or, you know, that, like you said, the, the nicer, the expensive sour beers. I think that the, uh, the whole bottle share thing is super cool with that. That's popped up where, you know, everybody gets together, you get five or six guys, everybody brings a couple bottles, they share it out and they spend, you know, two or three hours drinking or whatever it is. That's cool. Like I, I want to encourage that because, that's what I'm, that's what I like. I like being able to sit down and have like a social experience with, you know, whoever it is that I'm drinking with. So, you know, I don't think that we need to define craft beer in that manner because to me, that's what the wine culture for the most part, you know, you split a bottle of wine, you do this thing or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, anyway, I'm just, I'm talking about marketing from 20 years ago, so it's not like, it's not like it's super relevant now. Everything's changed. Um, but let me talk about your, your culture real fast. Um, I like it. I, I think it's, it's, it tastes more like English style. If there's an English style Kolsch, because there is the, the biscuity uh, malt is sort of, it's almost like ESB reminiscent. And I don't mean in a crystal malt way. I mean like in a, in like a malt mouthfeel biscuity way that I like that I think is unique to, to a Kolsch. You know, it's not that sort of like, uh, I say clean and I don't mean clean as in like, you know, contamination. I mean that Kolsch flavor, but you're targeting 
uh, you know, Budweiser, Bud Light drinkers, you're giving them, I think, exactly what they want. You're giving them a little bit of flavor. You're getting maybe even more flavor than they're expecting. Uh, because a Kolsch can, can be, you know, it can sort of be, I don't say flavorless, but it can sort of be not as super intense as you might want it to be. Um, yeah. that, that ester profile can be a little off-putting, I think. But, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, 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 you're sort of loading it with a little bit more of this sort of like biscuity, maybe almost a Munich thing. I, I'm pretty bad at picking that out and determining which is which. Um, in, instead of relying on a lot of the, the yeast-driven uh, flavors, and it, it is more of a, of a robust-tasting Kolsch. What, what, what's the grain in this that I'm tasting? Yeah, it's uh, we use a we use some biscuit malt. There's a little bit of like a hint of biscuit malt in there. Hell yeah, um, and it is that is one of the reasons why I did that. You know, I mean, it's a very 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 light Pilsner malt. Um, there is not a lot going on. Um, it's actually it's funny that, because that was so my brother is our my assistant brewer um, slash brewer. But slash he, brother slash brother. So uh, <laughs> but he went. He, he's a he's a uh, master brewer. He went to VLB and got his uh, master brewer cert there. And brought some of our Kolsch with him, and uh, and they were like, "This is really awesome." It's it's Way really it's, flavor. yeah, it's like it's really at the it's at the outer range of Kolsch. Like there yeah. are a few brands of Kolsch that do have that kind of like uh, reinforced kind of biscuit flavor. Yes, um, yes. but it, they're like it just it's it's it has to it tastes too good. It's because t- they these are all you know like Berliners and stuff like that, and they all they'll all they did was crap on Kolsch the entire time apparently, but. Uh, they were like, yeah, no, it just, it's got too much flavor. It tastes too good to be a Kolsch. So, you know, uh, so then I'm like, well, damn it. Now I got to, now I got to change the recipe so that it's, it has less flavor to be on you know, <laughs> traditional or, you know, whatever it is. I'm like, eh, yeah. you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's our, that's my side where I'm like, no, 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 no. People in Bakersfield need that flavor. We can't just be drinking water. Like, yeah. Yeah. We well, have have some flavor yeah. And I think the, uh, I think the the Mandarina Bavaria hops were a good choice in this too, because it does sort of lighten it up. There's those melon characteristics that pair well with the other flavors you got going on the biscuit malt, and it is it is a it is it ends on like a bright sweetness. Well, and that's what and it's it's kind of one of those things where you like you look at the style guides and it's like oh it's supposed to have this fruity you know kind of a thing uh, from the yeast and the esters and you know and I think sometimes we get really focused on. Like these certain things are there and that we allow that to just define the style and take it over like, like Hefeweizens, Hefeweizens, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like Bavarian Hefeweizens. And it's just like, like banana Rama, you know what I mean? Like you just, it's just, that's all you can taste is banana or bubble gum or whatever it is. And it's like, if you drink a, like an actual real German, like Bavarian Hefeweizen, it does have banana notes to it, but they're much more restrained. They're not as in your face as a lot of like, what we've come to expect as a Hefeweizen. So, you know, having, being able to have some subtlety with that, that yeast, you know, ester profile, but then try to bring that where people are, who do, who do know Kolsch's are expecting some of that fruity kind of a characteristic to be there. I, that's why I kind of wanted to bring that Mandarin of Bavaria in there because I feel like that's giving it some of that layer that people might be expecting from the yeast that is traditionally at least I feel like it's it's not as present in a, in in true Kolsch's as it winds up sometimes in um, North American you know or American Kolsch's because again it's you know the higher fermentation temperature the you know the, the more expressive yeasts and stuff like that the you know bigger strains that have more of that kind of like Kolsch flavor 
So being able to bring something else in and also then being able to, to get some of that ester profile, but also get it out of the way of the Mandarin of Bavaria and some of the malt and, and sort of allow everything to kind of, you know, do its thing together. Yeah. The object, I guess, the objective. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. I'll bring the other two beers and we'll cruise through those and uh, wrap this up. What do you guys think? Sweet. Cool. Hang on, everybody. It's the session. We'll be right back. Segmented, demented, fermented, fermented. It's the session. Okay, thanks for hanging on, everybody. We are back, wrapping it up with Crusader Brewing Company. And by wrapping it up, I mean drinking two more beers. So, uh, you know, there's <laughs> there's that. There's not a whole lot of wrapping up to do, I guess. Not right now. Uh, the next beer I'm going to crack is the Blood Red Rye. I feel like that's a little more appropriate than the, I think, the double IPA you sent. So uh, we're going to do this. It's an Irish red ale with rye and then maple syrup. What's maple syrup about? What's going on here? Why why maple syrup in a in a perfectly responsible Irish red ale? Uh, I took I well the reason behind the beer was the uh, bacon and craft beer festival. Okay, so we did that as home brewers. That was one of the first. That is the literally the first beer that we brewed and the first beer that we ended up bottling a year. What a year later? Um, two years later. Year two years. Later. Two years later. Yeah. So. So we had, I, had a, I had a, you know, when you start brewing, you're like, okay, I'm going to brew the stuff that I like. When I, I love like Irish red ales, um, you know, like real traditional Irish red ales that are a lot sort of like lighter in, in um, like lighter body, crisper, easier to drink. And, um, and so I had, a, I just did, I, I made an Irish red, you know, recipe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, and then when we were doing this, um, I was, I was kind of playing around with like, you know, different adjuncts and different, you know, grains and stuff. And I, I kind of like the like rye, it's got like a nutty kind of spicy kind of a character to it. And I thought that was kind of cool. And so I added that to the Irish red and did a red with, you know, Irish red with rye um, and thought it worked well. And then when we did this um, bacon and craft beer festival, we kind of were looking for something that could do, that could, that would pair with like all the bacon that everybody was going to be doing. And, you know, kind of maple syrupy, you know, whatever. But of course, with fermenting, which we do, we have, it's, it's um, amber maple syrup. When you ferment it, you're not left with a lot because it's mostly sugar and water. Um, And then the only thing that remains, unless you're adding like an essence or an extract or some kind of a, you know, like an artificial flavor or something like that, or you're pasteurizing your beer and then adding maple syrup to back sweeten it, you don't really get a lot of like, Maple. maple syrup you know what I mean right. it's not like it's pancakes or something like that you know like it ferments out and you're kind of left with almost like a it's like maple wood you almost have like it's almost like an oaky or like a woody kind of floral characteristic as opposed to you know whatever and it worked because the rye obviously adds a lot of body and kind of like character to the beer which is not in keeping with an Irish red a true Irish red so then if you add this some this you know sugar that ferments out pretty completely it dries it out a lot more so you kind of have this i was trying to strike this balance between drinkability but also like have a good impact of different flavors that are going on that are kind of interesting and fun and different you know what i mean so 
Irish red at this point, it's 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 loosely an Irish red because yeah. that's what the original recipe started off as is an Irish red. And uh-huh. it's become it's evolved. It's kind of become its own thing now. Yeah, definitely. Irish red. I mean, it's yeah. It, yeah. Yes, it has for sure. Because it's too dry to be an Irish red, I feel like. Well, and uh, yes and no. Like also it's brewed for the Bakersfield palate. So when it's 110 degrees outside and you're drinking something like an Irish red or a red in general, you don't want all that sweetness. You don't no. want all that that thick body and all that kind of stuff. So I guess I guess that's my my contention is I mean like a, again like a like a true Irish red is just a British pale or a bitter that they've added roasted malt to. You know what I mean? It's a lighter bodied kind of the deal. We have an idea of what an Irish red is here in the States that's that's much more malty and richer and and bigger body, kind of like more in the, in the firmly in the medium body range as opposed to kind of in the lighter body. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so I, I, like I said, I still wanted to do something that kind of had that drinkability of, uh, of a, you know, like an Irish, Irish red, like that, that was just basically a, a English bitter that had some more color and a little bit more character to it, but still was that kind of really drinkable, like easy drinking kind of a, kind of a beer. So what's the ABV on this? I will. I, I love the label, but I will say the red writing is hard for me to read because I'm, it is. Yeah. I'm old as five, shit. Five, five, five. Oh, okay. Hell yeah, five, five, five. It's at the very bottom, right where your thumb was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I saw like the line, but it just looked yeah. like a bar to me. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I will be honest. I saw the maple syrup and I'm like, I'm going to fucking hate this beer and I don't hate it. And I think somewhere between mediocre and okay. Yeah. yeah. And I don't hate it. That's right. It. Yeah. I'd rather drink my own blood than, than drink this beer. Um, the maple syrup and the rye, I think to what you're saying, Chris, I think work well together because it is sort of like the rye is maybe accentuating that like maple wood flavor. You know, like you're saying, after maple syrup gets um, gets fermented out, you're left with that sort of like woody thing. I think the rye spiciness sort of comes in and, and accentuates that more than anything. And it, it is, it, it, you know, it's, it's very, very unique. And the fact that you didn't ply it with a lot of crystal malt and make it sort of sweet, like you were saying, Bailey, to, to, to tend to the Bakersfield palate, which is a cool turn of phrase. Um, I, think it, I think all of that works well together. I don't think it should. But I think it does. <laughs> but I think it does. I, mean, I think it's you know, cool, like and that's what I like about and perfume. Yeah, know, like, but that's uh, but that's the kind of cool thing about about beer, is that you can put shit together on paper. It shouldn't work. Well, it shouldn't work. I shouldn't like it. But then you 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 do it, and it's like, oh, that's really cool. And then it can open your your mind to other possibilities of stuff. It's it's. I mean, it's the 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 comparison has been made. It's it's like cooking. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. And that's wild to me. I would never have looking at this out on the board. I'd be like, eh, I don't think I want to try that. Cause I could just imagine Irish red maple syrup heavy. And it is not a heavy beer at all. It finishes very, very, very dry and very clean. So that's our third most popular beer that we sell. Um, that's wild to me. So, so if, it, if, if first, second and third is, is pretty fluid. Um, especially with the phrases, I want whatever the lightest beer you have is, is a very common phrase. <laughs> sure. And then uh, I'll take a, an IPA, whatever your IPA is. That's why the IPA and the Kolsch are probably our two number one selling beers. Um, 
so I disqualify those a little bit uh, a majority of the time. Um, so that's that's our third. That's in our top three, first, second, third, just depending on what the day is. So that's one of the things that makes me happy about it that it that it is one of our best sellers that people seek it out and and tell their friends about it because it was one of those beers that when we were like the you know the other brewers the you know people in town the home brewers the, craft, the other craft breweries like you know oh what's your what's your your, your lineup going to be like what are you doing and we're like we're going to do a coals we're going to do an IPA we want we're going to do an Irish red it's going to and they're like well you're crazy like you know nobody drinks reds in this town like it's too it's too dark it's too big it's too whatever and it's like okay well you know we're we're okay with taking it off tap if we need to you know what I mean if it doesn't sell well but it's just been gangbusters since we you know since we started so um I'm I'm really happy that um it it's popular so here's the thing about this beer is that so I'm drinking it out of my ears up podcast my tie glass which there is a new one on sale right now on our Etsy store, etsy.com slash shop slash covers, uh, or look for summer Mai Tai on the rocks glass on Etsy. Anyways, um, and I think that there was a little bit of hand soap in here, or like dishwashing soap. So I smell it. I'm like, oh, that smells like fucking, like literally palm olive. So I drink it, so I drink it out of the bottle. Yeah, secret secret ingredient. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and then, but I drink it out of the bottle, and there's there's there are more of these sort of like dark fruit aromas that I didn't get out of the glass. Because I think they're covered up. Then I poured it out of my uh, Wayfinder, like, Stein kind of guy. And they're different flavors. And I know that, like, glassware, you know, different shaped glassware can deliver different flavors, which I don't like that messes with my lizard brain too much. But the, anyway, I didn't, there are a lot more flavors in here that I was not getting from my my rocks glass, from my Mai Tai glass. Um there was sort of like plummy, you know, raisiny kind of things that you should find in an Irish red. So I like that's, it. I like it a little bit more now because it's not so like dry. That I, I hate about flights. Um, a four ounce taster of a beer, I don't feel is a, a, a actual way to judge a beer. Um, it, it, for me, it, it kind of drives me a little crazy that people will come in and leave eight untapped reviews from one sitting and uh, they, they're all from a four ounce taster, you know, like, Do you guys uh, live and die by untapped or are you over untapped? Oh, so, oh, so, so completely over it. We were, we were over it about a week into it. Like <laughs> beer sucks. I hate it. And then you go through and you look at all their stuff. It's one star, one star, one star, one star, one star. Five stars. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you, you found my burner untapped account. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and like you saying, that's another thing too. Like that's why we try to do And So in the brewery, we do 500 milliliter pours, average pours. So you get basically 17 ounces of beer. Um, and we do the, the Beckers or the Nonics. Oh yeah. So, I mean, if, I, if, if we, if I could, if we could get away with it and you know, whatever I, we had enough to hear that we were making, I, I love the Imperial pint. I think it's a, it's an amazing, you know, unit Same. of measurement. Same. Because it's, it's enough, it's enough beer, especially when it's only, you know, like in, in the UK, it's only like three and a half percent, you know what I mean? So it's not going to get you completely wrecked, but um, it, it, it lets you experience that beer on a bunch of different levels. You know what I mean? It's like cask ales. Like when you punch that cask at the very, very beginning and it's super fresh and, you know, like unoxygenated and, and are unoxidized, 
it has a certain flavor. If you come back the next day, it's got a little bit of a different flavor and it's actually good. And you come back the next day and, you know, and so it, it progresses when it sits in your glass. Yeah, right. When it sits in your glass and it kind of like opens up and it warms up, especially with the red, you start getting more of those, you know, kind of more of those, those dark fruit flavors like the, you know, and, and, and the maple syrup again, delivers some of that because you're, you're cooking sugar. And so you're getting that yeah. kind of react, that reaction that gives you some more of those, you know, raisiny, plummy flavors. It's, it's like a light Irish red, because again, it's not that heavy sweet that we would expect. It's, it's, it's well done. I like it. I bet that would go good with a slab of bacon too. Yeah. It's a breakfast beer for yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> it's at a local steakhouse that we have here. Uh, Hungry Hunter, and I went there, had a steak with it, and I was blown away by it. Yeah, nice. I, 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 I don't eat a whole lot of meat. I don't eat a whole lot at home in general and yeah. in life. So, uh, well, yeah. you got too many kids. Too many kids. <laughs> I work too much at the brewery because I have too many kids. Yeah, right. And it yeah. really is a good like. I make I make barbecue sauces from it. That I have a sort of the original distribution location for blood red is a, a, a really, really great barbecue joint here. Uh, like on the other side of town, the guy came in and was like, yeah, I own this, you know, whatever he drinks for our beers. And was like, this beer is amazing. And it's been on tap there ever since. Uh, what, what do they call okay. it? Give him a point. What? Give him a shout out. Who is it? Uh, it's champs barbecue. Um, and they're fantastic. <laughs> that sounds like the most what, old school weird. barbecue they're, name in the entire universe. And I love it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're Good green, job, yeah. Right. They're, they're green beans are like, of like the best green beans. Like wow. I'll just, I would go there and just eat their green beans. That's how good they are. <laughs> Super weird to say, but like, and their barbecue is fantastic. So okay. that's, that's saying something that, you know, whatever, they do a really great job. And it's, Chris is bougie as fuck. Oh too, my so God. It's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> like five wine membership. I don't have five. Bad. I'm down to two, but. You know, uh, dude, whatever, that's, like, that's the worst part is reducing your wine memberships, man. Absolutely. I know, I feel bad. It's like you're, you have to send the email out and then like, they're like, hi though, you know, you can just, if you want to defer your shipment, like we can do that. And like, it's like, it's like it's canceling you with me. It's canceling a gym member. Yeah, it is. It's it like is. breaking up with somebody. You yeah. Know? Like, like we had, we had one at Ridge for a long time and, and you know, I was like, I need to break out because my whole wine fridge is full of Zinfandels. Yeah. And I love Ridge and I don't know if, you, we were too. Yeah. if you love Ridge, if you know about Ridge, but they're like very like they're sixties, you know, natural wine making and not natural wine making, but like natural fermentation. Mm. So they don't sulfite. They're just natural yeast, whatever's on the grapes. And it's like that really classic sort of like sixties, like vibe, but we had to cancel it. Cause I'm like, I don't know. We just, I want to, oh, I would love a white every now and then <laughs> they're like, now it's the summer. Now it's Rose. So you'd have to like limit it. But uh, I will, here's a plug for Kermit Lynch. They're like a wine importer in Berkeley and they have a wine club. It's like 50 bucks and you get two like Italian wines, generally Italian or French wines. It's fucking worth it. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a variety, man. And that's what we're after here. Yeah. Um, I, 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 you know, that's, and that's again, like that the whole, all the whole thing with just being able to like sit and talk about like, you, know, you have a steak, you have barbecue, you know, whatever, like it's yeah. just, it's just a good beer to sit and drink and, and eat and hang out. You know? I, I wish that we could do more with beer memberships like we can with wine memberships. To me, that yeah. would be cool. But I think a lot of it is like wineries are sort of set up for that distribution level where they can do mail order stuff or whatever. But I don't, I don't know that that breweries necessarily are that can sustain that. I don't know the legalities of it, but like, 
I would love to be able to hop between brewery memberships like that, like you can with wine. I'd be all for it if I could charge 20 bucks for a 750 of blood red for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. And that's, I guess that's probably where the margins are. Well, yeah. and, and, you know, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's a lot less pitch and it's more like, like we were talking about, like, that's, like you said, like, that's not what beer is. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and I, it's some, some aspects it can be, but I, I just generally speaking, I don't think that's, but experience. again, to our, our, what we do is we set up a brewery to have people come in for the session and you come in, you drink two or three beers. You're there with your crew. You're there with your friends or whatever. And we have a club and invite people to come in and, you know, they have their mug and they have their stuff there because we want people to come in and drink with us at, at the brewery. So, which is a very, uh, very bad business model in this COVID world that we live in. Yeah. Um, but at one time it was a brilliant idea. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's how you made your money. That was the, that was the model tap room. And, and, and also too, like, it's, I don't know, like it, it's cool to sit and watch like that because they're, they're, club members that have met because they see the other person with their club membership Mm -hmm. mug and then they get to talking and then like our club member night once a month where everybody gets a free beer and everybody comes and hangs out like they're organizing barbecues and like potlucks and stuff like that where you know we have a guy that has a like a big train that's a bar like a smoker and so he'll like roll his train up to the in the back of the brewery and like smoke a bunch of tri-tips or briskets or you know whatever and then everybody will bring a bunch of you know, and so it's cool to like see that community develop around beer. You know what I mean? Around that sort of like shared love of beer. He has a train. Yeah, yeah. It's it's in the shape of a train uh, on a trailer. Or the pig driving it. Like, yeah, I love this guy. Dale, Dale Bernhardt is the name of the pig. It, it's 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 a whole very. Uh, what was Dale Earnhardt's name? Was it like Iron Head or Iron Sides? Was it like Fatty Sides? Is is <laughs> come on. <laughs> It's very cool. That's funny. I absolutely love it for what it is. Not my style. No, Uh, but uh, no, you're not going to emulate it. No, no, no. no. I don't need a train. Thank you. (laughs) I used to work for the railroad. I'm I'm good on trains. What what haven't you guys done? I feel like you guys have lived twelve like twelve lives already by now. (laughs) Um, I just you you need that big foundation when you open a brewery. I think so too, man. I feel like it uh, it helps you take the. you know, roll with the punches. Yeah. If, you, yeah. if, you, if you're, if you're used to disappointment, it's, uh, it makes it easier to open a brewery. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's why more married people open breweries. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, barbarian is what I just opened a little bit ago. See this label I can read. Actually, you know what? I really love this green. Like it's almost like a green metallic, uh, which you can't really get through on camera. Yeah. Sort of. It catches a light really nice. That. That's very, very cool. Proud of his metallic labels. I yeah. love it. Oh, that, was, that was his call. That's all him. I'm going to give him complete credit for that. I don't know if I sent you the red metallic labels or not. They might just be uh, boring. The old label. Hard to say. Boring. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say the boring. The old ones look really faded out. That, that, yeah. That's the new label. I just, what I just saw. So, okay. Um, yeah, we're phasing out a set of uh, labels and, and going to those metallic ones, which I absolutely love. Yeah, they're great. So this is a, what is it? I can't. It, it's like dark over here, so it's hard for me to see. 
And so we did, um, we did sort of a, a, a lower bitterness West Coast IPA. So it is going to have more bitterness than like a, um, I guess like a hazy or, you know, whatever. So it's, it is mm-hmm. in the, the IPA, the West Coast IPA bitterness wheelhouse. Um, I think it's like 55 IBUs or 58 IBUs or something like that. Yeah. Um, so on the lower end, so not super aggressively bitter, um, but we hopped it with mosaic. And um, again, kind of what we're trying to do with sort of like new meets old and, you know, whatever. There was a, a newer hop uh, called Barbe Rouge um, out of France um, that's really, really, really good. And we got a sample of it and I was like super It sucks. It's it. a bad hop. And yeah, no don't ever <laughs> use it. You know, See, this is the problem. You guys it. fucking come on these shows and you go, here's this hop that no one has and it's called this and this is how you get it. And this is where it's yeah, right. I'm not going to tell you where to get it because we, yeah. we, we, we ran out of it from our, our previous supplier. They don't have any more and I had to scramble to find another one. Yeah, so. Well, it's French and no one likes the French. So Yeah, and you know what? That's probably what it is. Yeah. But. It's good. It's, it, it was, it was super interesting. Like it was like red, like red berry and like, like berry candy. Um, uh, and so I was kind of like really intrigued by that flavor profile and kind of knowing that some of the like biotransformative stuff that happens to mosaic, uh, emphasizes that like blueberry kind of a flavor. And so rather than like the kind of the more citrusy profile. Yeah. So you know, I, I was, I kind of wanted to play around with that interaction between like, like blue and red berry, like red current, like rat, like it all, to me, it almost, it almost hits like a, um, like a raspberry Jolly Rancher. Like it's almost like fake, like fake red, like fruit. You know what I mean? Like can, like red candy. Yeah. And you know what, this is, it's just interesting because it's smooth and, uh, God, I don't even know how to put this. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm. I was telling Bev today. I was like, I'm so, I, I'm running out of vocabulary to make describing IPAs interesting. It's hard for me now because I'm the only one here. I'm the only <laughs> one doing it. So like, this is why I need other people to fucking join me this dumb show. But like, it's 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 smooth and, um, let's just say round or let's just say pillowy. Let's exaggerate a little bit. It's a little pillowy, a lot like you would find in a hazy beer. Okay, but. It's, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a hazy beer. That's just, that's just, you know, either chill haze or like a, just a brewery. It's a beer. It's not like a pillowy, you know, shit in suspension beer. And I think that's cool. So you're essentially giving maybe these hazy people what they want and that soft roundness, but it's not, it doesn't look like fucking gravy on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of, that was like my little, like, I don't know, like brewers, like, shot across the, the the bow kind of a thing where it's like you don't have to have chunks of hops in your beer to get that impact sediment of yeah the you, know, you don't have to have tree you don't have to have in your beer you know what i mean like hops hot a lot of hops are already unstable you know what i mean like why put a bunch <laughs> of protein that's also unstable yeah. and leads to spoilage right you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. and it's hard to again hard to drink like a lot of what we're trying to do is is make these flavors and these beers accessible and easy to get to, but also interesting enough for people that are again, wanting to parse the beer out to sort of it's, it's, it's base part. I, I, I don't know. It was, it was fun to brew and it was a surprise because we had a beer. We still, yeah, yeah. It's, it, well, yeah, it was a surprise. (laughs) It's not fun anymore. It was fun the first time. Now it's fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah, Now you're brewing it all. We we opened with an IPA that, uh, 
this beer we brewed and it blew that IPA out of water. And so we ended up switching. So now this, this is our IPA. Like this is the always on tap, like headliner flagship IPA. And it's booted the other one, which we haven't brewed in eight months or something like that. And it was, that was a launch. That IPA was a launch IPA. We yeah, launched that IPA. It was before COVID. It was the last COVID. Yeah. So over a year. These hops are <laughs> rad. I mean, I think these, these could be like really good in ESB. Um, um, we had a, I had an XPA from Firestone mm-hmm. and, uh, it was a single hop, like experimental deal that they did. And, uh, I called Bailey and I was like, I'm drinking an XPA from Firestone guaranteed that was in there freaking, that was in the last, uh, Luponic distortion. And sure. And like, you look at the bottle and it's like red berries and you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And this is before they were labeling, they were telling you what hops were in the Luponic distortions. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, they, guaranteed they bought a bunch of it and they had some extra. And so they did a single hop XPA. And I was like, it's really, it's really good just as a single hop, you know, freaking pale ale. It's super tasty. So it's good. I like that. That's a very, that's a very creative. So, all right. So on it, it says, um, Bari Rouge D is it D O H or D D H? D D H. Yeah. What's D D H? Double dry hop. Okay. Double dry hop IPA. Okay. I like it. What temperature are you dry hopping at? Um, so, uh, this one we did, we do two doses. Um, so the first one is our fermentation temperature of that beer, which is 68 degrees. Um, and then the second one we do, uh, which is the bar brew. So we, we do the first dose of mosaic, uh, and then we like it towards the end of fermentation. Again, we get a little like biotransformative kind of process going, let it finish out. Um, and then we, uh, we sort of semi crash it down to, um, to 60, 62 degrees. Um, and we actually purge a second tank. And we add the um, the barbarusian, and we'll rack the beer off of the leaves of the mosaic into the um, onto the barbarouge, and then we let it kind of rest there for five days. I believe is what it is at like sixty two degrees. I want to marinate oh, pork. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say, Bailey? Or whenever it's convenient. Yeah. Like yeah. Days well, ish. look. Yeah, man, you can't keep to a straight schedule yet. It's it's super. <laughs> I use it as a as a spritz on a barbecue for for like ribs and stuff like that. There it's you go. great. It's it's good for it's good for it. Add some apricot and some brown sugar, and uh, and you can do like a barbecue sauce or whatever. A little bit of like vinegar and you know ketchup. Yeah, super bougie. Well, you can tell who has a hundred kids and who doesn't. <laughs> I have two. I have two kids. They like to eat food, but I do too. That's why I stopped having more because I don't want to eat all my food. So, you know, yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is good. I like this beer. I don't say that often with IPAs, but you know what? It's a very easy drink and it almost is sort of English style in the sense that it's not over the top. There's a lot of roundness to it. There's a lot of softness to it. Um, And the hop flavor really comes through a lot. It's not, I wouldn't call it a bitter IPA, Yeah, but it's flavorful. That is probably the, the one of the number one things said about that beer is here's the deal. I don't like IPAs, but this beer is fantastic. And it's like, okay, like I can, I can live with that. Like if you're a big IPA head, I had a guy come in the other day and he's like, I only drink panic from track seven. Uh, what, what IPA do you have? And I'm Throw like, well, I have our IPA. Like I don't carry track seven. Um, good brewery. Like, well, I guess I'll try it. So I give him yeah. a sample. He goes, I don't like it. It's not, it doesn't taste exactly like this other IPA. And I'm like, yeah, that's because <laughs> it's our IPA, bro. Like, I don't know what to tell you, you know? Like, you can't be all things to all people. You yeah. just can't. And like that person, I mean, Hey, yeah, 
that would be very hard for me to handle too because it's like okay <laughs> i don't know it's like you think Joe rogan says like like just don't fucking read the comments you know what i mean like, never don't read, read the, the comments. comments don't ever read the comments it's a bad idea don't go down that rabbit hole you know no <laughs> you never do it man ever 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 yeah i only drink track seven makes good beer but this person doesn't doesn't understand that it's not it's not why would you make the same beer even if you could, why would you? Even if you wanted to, you can't. Not, not, not going to. Yeah, I, 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 we want to make our own beers. We want to be our own company. Yeah. Um, I have nothing, nothing against Track Seven and or their their beers. No, good beers. Um, uh, but I'm not making their beers. <laughs> yeah, and then they probably thank you for it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it, yeah. There's. The, it's the whole untapped thing. It's like, you know, would you like go into a restaurant and be like, you know what? I hate turkey sandwiches. Uh, give me the turkey sandwich. I, I got a star for this restaurant. Turkey sandwich was terrible. Yeah. It's like, well, why'd you order a turkey sandwich, man? Like you ate turkey sandwiches. Like, why'd you order my freaking, my, my, you know, chocolate porter and you hate freaking dark beers That's- and then give me a crappy rating on the freaking untapped. It's like, bro, like just, just don't, okay? Don't help me. Like, stop helping. <laughs> you know, like... Uh. It, is, it is weird, and, you know, it's almost like, you know, which did more damage to the craft beer industry? Untapped or when Budweiser bought Elysian? Goose Island or something. Yeah, or, yeah, bought Elysian and then, and then released that ad about, like, pumpkin beers. You know what I mean? That got everyone yeah. riled up. Like, who, who did more damage to the craft industry? And it's, I yeah. would say it's untapped. Because it turns yeah, a lot of people away. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's the, 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 I guess the hardest part for me is that there's zero standard. Standard. There's zero thread that moves along through. And it's like, well, are you basing it off of what you enjoy or are you basing it off of a set of standards that you are set and you have, like, everybody agrees upon? Right. And it's, it's, it's very, both. very it's subjective. Both. It's, it's very yeah. Well, as, as you guys know, it's, it's educational too. There's, there's a lack they, what they've done is a great business model because the beer drinker now with sort of ex gamers is what I sort of think of. They're like post millennials, or I guess that's not right yet. Like aging gen Xers who are like used to like achievement based video games and achievement based shit. So it's like, Oh, I got to get this thing. I got to chase this achievement. So they do, they do this, but they also cheese it. Where they go like, oh, I don't like porters, but I want the porter badge from Crusader, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Oh, I fucking hate it. I'm gonna be honest, but I don't care about the rating. What they're doing is they're not they don't want to help anybody find good beer, which is the point of of the of the of the app. I can imagine. So it's a very noble gesture to help other people find craft beer. But for the most part, people just want the uh, the sort of notoriety or the 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 chit. They want the they want the thing. They want the accolades, right? So they get the thing, but they hate the beer. So they get the thing anyway, even though they hate the beer. And I, I just, I don't know, man. I don't, it's not my vibe, but this beer is good. We look, I like it. If we look at anything, we look at Google, like reviews, because at least Google kind of like, you can go shitpost somebody on Yelp or Untapped or whatever yeah. it is and never have touched the, you know, their product or been in their, their deal. But at least Google, you, you have to like go in there. And so that's where I look at. That's, that's where I get like, as the, as a business owner, if I get a, uh, a lower review than five stars that's where i'm looking at me like what is this person saying like or if they don't leave a comment like we'll we'll say like hey you know what can we do to to get that to get five like what is it what is it that made you leave this review like 
oh, okay, this is what you're saying. Like this is, then we can, then we can react. We can bring that in and we can go off of that because nice. at least we know that person was geo like geolocated in our brewery. So we know they went there in order for them to leave a review. And you know, that's what that's, that's where we go off of as far as like sort of social media, you know, reviews of the brewery because they, they have gone more. in. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, boys. Well, I'm going to let you go. I appreciate okay. your time and, uh, and sending the beers. Uh, I, you know, I think they're, they're all tasting really good and they're definitely very unique. You guys are, are definitely putting your own spin on the styles and that new hop, man. It's good stuff. Don't I like tell anybody. That. Nobody I, listens to this thing, right? No, but bro, I don't even, <laughs> I'm basically just ripping Justin off. I haven't published a show in a year and a half. Oh, okay. So I'm just getting paid and hopefully he doesn't notice because he's That's busy running the bar and whatever. So it's fine. Uh, <laughs> Crusaderbrewing.com. You guys check them out. Go there. If you're in the Bakersfield area, definitely go check them out too and hang out and uh, buy a bunch of merch and buy a bunch of beer, even more importantly. And, uh, you know, support the boys over there at Crusaderbrewing.com. Chris Bailey, thank you very much for joining the show. I appreciate it. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. That's where you're going to find out what we're doing and what we got going on. So, at Yeah, we made it really difficult. So. <laughs> well, that's what you got to do, man. That's what social media is all about. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Really appreciate it. And uh, until next time, we'll see you later. Justin's in my sky and winning the race. JP does great as his charity.